Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Welcome back, everyone. This is Truth About Trucking Live, Blog Talk Radio's premier trucking talk radio show. I'm Alan Smith, along with my co-host, Barry Stutzky, who is also the host of RelyOnYourself.com. Hey, Barry, thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent today. How are you, Alan? I'm good. I'm good. Having having uh, had some time to have you around for a while, so good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. You know, it's... Uh... Well, welcome back, my friend, to the show that never ends, huh? <laughs> that, that's true. That's about how it is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one I have for you is, truth about trucking live. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, a, little, little, huh? a, little, a little bit of a rock and roll theme here today, you know, so I would say it's had that effect on me anyway, but uh, yeah, I it's hear all you. good. Well, that's a good effect. We're good to have you here back, and uh, we've got a great show ahead of us. And uh, as all of you know, uh, Truth About Trucking Live discusses everything about OTR trucking and uh, the good and the bad. And sometimes we branch off and talk about a little bit of everything else from organic gardening and energy-saving tips and, yes, sometimes even politics. And and today, Thursday, September seventeenth, two 2009, politics is uh, back on our agenda, but it's certainly an important topic today concerning uh, trucking and our nation's truck drivers. And our show this afternoon, American Trucking and Opening the Mexican Border, and what effects could this have on not only our truckers but our country in general. And um, I want everyone to understand right off the bat here, I have nothing against Mexico. I love the country, the people, the culture, their heritage. I've been to Mexico many times, and I've traveled to Monterey and and I tell you, Monterey is like five New York cities rolled up in one. I'll have to share my experiences about that place one of these days. But our uh, our show today is not about uh, attacking the people or the country of Mexico. It's about allowing the full-blown opening of the Mexican border and ushering in uh, thousands of their trucks and truck drivers and giving them full access to our roads and highways and byways and interstates for all of our 48 states and what uh, that could do for our already uh, somewhat crippled and so often uh, scam-infested trucking industry, to be quite honest. And and uh, before we introduce our special guest for the show, uh, Barry, I know you've been following this for quite some time, and you know Mexico is uh, such a poor country, and the people are victims of a corrupt government, government uh, maybe much like we are, but... Uh, how terrible would it be to bring in thousands of drivers from south of the border hauling our freight when so many American drivers are struggling with miles and, and low pay and long hours and trucking through the night just trying to make ends meet right now? Well, in a word, it's going to clean our clocks. And, uh, you know, uh, we work in an environment, and everybody does. Uh, labor is a supply and demand commodity, and trucking is no different. 
when you come down to an owner operator, it's even more significant because they have huge overhead costs to consider. And if you just take a bunch of drivers, just just for the sake of the drivers alone, that are making 70% less than we are, and running the equipment and operating under circumstances that are dramatically cheaper than the owner operators and the trucking companies in this country, it, it, what will its effect be? It, it'll clean our clocks. It, it'll have a big effect. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, I just hear that so often. See, you know, we've been talking about opening this border thing for so long, but um, our um, our special guest today is uh, very well known and um, and uh, known to be very outspoken and and concerned about this border opening and has been discussing it for quite some time. He's a writer, a web host, a blogger, a talk show host, and a driver. And uh, Daniel Audette of the truckstar.com and Truckstar Radio is with us. And uh, welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks, Alan. Um, can you guys hear me okay? I'm... Yeah, you're fine. Oh, okay. You're crystal right. clear. Crystal clear. Awesome. Right. Uh, you know, Daniel, you mentioned something on your show last night that I just thought, boy, ain't that the truth? And and it's when you mentioned that we were just never, uh, we just never really know what the real agenda is under uh, our governmental administration. And I'll give you a perfect example of when Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor was being sent to the bench. Um, all that we heard and read and saw in the main news media was just that. I mean, we were just bombarded with her justice appointment and hearings, but. But what was really going on in the background was the government's attempt to get national health care July, but the media kept our focus on the Sotomayor hearing. So it makes me wonder, there was a there was a little blip in the news about Obama visiting with the Mexican president about opening the border, but then, right. and now, not much more is heard about it. So it makes me wonder what is now going on behind closed doors that we're not being made, of where, made a, aware of. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, there's a couple of different schools of thought about that, but to quote Todd Dills from Truckers News, who I got off the phone with uh, just a little, uh, a few minutes ago, he said, Daniel, we're, it, it's according to what he can determine, because they've run numerous articles on this uh, in, the, in Truckers News, Fleet Owner. Uh, there's, there's been a series of articles on this, but where it's at exactly right now, they are keeping behind closed doors. Um, and a lot of people are thinking that it's it, it could be good, it could be bad, uh, but at least there is not this uh, deluge of misdirected uh, misdirection and misinformation like what uh, the U.S. Chamber has been. Thomas Donahue, the president and CEO of the U.S. Chamber, who's one of these people that espouses this very broad-based so-called study claiming that there's a high economic cost area to America and that we've uh, abandon our agreement with the Mexicans and all this other business and that it's costing half a million jobs and all this other stuff, which a lot of other people like the Teamsters and some other very notable uh, groups are claiming is just plain flat out not true. Um, so it, 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 it's really a battle of words. It's a battle of studies. It's, it's, it's a case study in misdirection and misinformation. Um, and you, you can just follow the paper trail to the trucking companies, and the shippers. There's two different cartels of shippers in this country, meaning Kmart, International Paper, a lot of major companies. And I'm not here to bash them, but what I'm saying is they're looking after their own interests. They want products that are going to be brought to the three ports they're, they're, they're refitting in Mexico uh, up across the border 
with much cheaper. It, it, it's it's an insource, outsource, insource uh, labor situation. Is really what it is. It's about cost reduction for them. Um, so that's that's what a lot of this is about. And anybody can spin um, a report depending on uh, uh, which angle you're predisposed to. You know. Um, right. So where where it's at right now, I. I you know, I have to commend, although I've been highly critical of this current administration and a lot of their policies, um, and LaHood, who this guy has absolutely zero business being in the job that he's in. Um, but I have to commend them for at least um, standing up to the Mexicans and their, and their tough guy, strong arm type tactics and their, and their again, their misinformation and all this. So, so, but really what it is, it's, it's, it's about big business crying that they have to pay money. They thought they were saving using cheap labor down there. And these people in these factories uh, for Levi's, Ralph Lauren, John Deere, they make their motors down there international. They've got, they, te- they field test. There's a lot of major, major companies down there. They're really what they're doing is they're crying about the fact that they have to pay more. The money they thought they were going to save exploiting third world labor, they're having to pay in tariffs. Which and nobody can really blame the Mexicans for charging a tariff. Although, you would think that they would be a little more grateful for the U.S. commerce and the fact that half their population is up here sending money back to Mexico every week and every month. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that. Uh, I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that about the deep water ports because this is a lot bigger story than just it is just the, uh, than the, just the trucking thing, and a lot of people are unaware of that. And I just wanted to, to touch on that a little bit because ultimately what they're looking to do is put the longshoremen out of work along with the American truck drivers. And once those deep water ports are finished, uh, all these goods from China, the container ships are going to unload in Mexico. They're going to go on the back of Mexican trucks that are that are being, the drivers being paid slave wages, and they're going to deliver the United States and Canada. And right. uh, any backhauls that there are, I mean, obviously uh, the, the rate on a backhaul, when you consider 60% of the freight's going north, 40% south, is going to be so low that, that the owner-operators here, companies here, aren't even going to touch it. So it, it's really a, not talking about just drivers. It's talking about a whole bunch of people and a whole lot of communities that are that are tied into the longshoremen as well. Right. Um, this has been something that's been in the works for some time. I follow some of the JOC news lines, and I read some of the economic analysts, and the global uh, freight global freight movement has changed more in the last year than it has in the last 20 years in terms of uh, directing and redirecting companies like Maersk and, and uh, some of the major players. The Chinese are, are making a major move to try to dominate and control, in fact, container ocean-going vessel shipping and all that. And they have every intention of, uh, uh, and like a lot of companies, it's a typical and a standard corporate ethic to lower their costs. And the only uh, negotiable aspect of their baseline cost is, of course, labor is the primary one. There are a couple, but labor being the most. And uh, so that's that's what's behind this. Um, they're looking at California and they're saying, okay, you guys do whatever you want with the air and the and the turtles and the mice and whatever else they're trying. You know, the environmentalists are screaming out over there. Um, uh, we're, they're just going to pull the rug and, and pull the plug and pack up their tent and go somewhere else, and that's what they intend to do. And you're, you're exactly right that uh, this has been a 15-year plan here, this, uh, this so-called NAFTA agreement. And uh, 
a lot of people are contending, well, and including, and I give Hoffa from the Teamsters, and you can criticize, and I have in some of the things that they're doing, but he, he's, he's saying that uh, it's NAFTA that, that's going to cost at least a, a million U.S. jobs, not including the uh, owner-operators and the truckers in this country, and even some of the company drivers, uh, but that uh, Mexico's imposed tariffs. Hello? Yeah. Well, Barry, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I think we lost. I'm not here. I'm not here. Uh... Uh, I think Daniel's still there. Are you still there, Daniel, right? Yeah. Did you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, I, oh, I got you back. I'm sorry, Daniel. I, it might be a, I'm on a cell phone. Maybe I lost my tower for a minute there. Daniel, I'm sure that you're familiar with the term uh, well, habitat. No, he, he just dropped off, but he, he can call back. But uh might be having some problems there. But go ahead, Barry. What were you saying? Well, there's a word, and I hope I'm saying it right, and that the owner-operators would be very familiar with. It's called cabotage, C-A-B-O-T-A-G-E, which essentially is the transport of goods between two points within the same country. And according to NAFTA, what's, uh, what's supposed to happen, and why I was getting at those uh, freight numbers, part of the reason is is that we have a $65 billion trade deficit with Mexico right now. At the time that NAFTA was signed, we had a $1 billion trade surplus. So we've done a complete reversal. I mean, we're nothing near a, a equality as far as the amount of goods that are going back and forth. So 60% of the loads head north, 40% head south. So you're going to have a, a significant amount of trucks, assuming that they were going to follow the rules, that would have to deadhead back to Mexico. So we don't have the infrastructure in place to enforce cabotage law. So what's going to happen, I say what's going to happen, being as we can't enforce it anyway, is the truck that goes to Chicago that's supposed to be grabbing a load only to Mexico by the terms of the NAFTA agreement is going to take a load to El Paso or Los Angeles or wherever they can get one, and however illegal that may be, we have no way to control it. So it's, it's going to hit a lot harder on the volume of loads available than just what it appears on the surface. And I, I mean, you know that's coming. Well, I, I, I guess. I mean, Daniel. Daniel's back. I see you there, Daniel. We lost you there for a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we so, can hear you. But uh, sorry about uh, that. No, that's okay. That happens, and uh, sometimes we get a little storm here in Florida, and things don't work out. But uh, yeah, you're back with us. But you know, uh, this NAFTA thing's been going on for so long, and uh, they still haven't opened the border full blown here. So, uh, of course, like you know, Daniel was saying, you know the. Hoffa and the Teamsters, they keep yelling, and, and, of course, there's always an issue for, you know, about the safety issue of their trucks and stuff. So, I mean, Daniel, what you've seen, and, and you've studied this real well and everything, I mean, is this, uh, you you see this thing opening full-blown here anytime soon? Or, I mean, it seems like it's been going on for years and years. Well, right now, it's, it's a battle of um, the major shippers, and this isn't often uh, – uh, under-discussed, if you will, to coin a new word, uh, aspect of this thing, uh, where the, 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 the power players behind it um, stand to reap huge, huge rewards off their labor costs reduction. Now, um, so I, I, I think what's going on now is that they're, they're and, and I'm speculating, but this is based in a lot of different indicators, um, and the fact that they're not saying anything about this. I think they're trying to hammer out a deal so that the president doesn't look bad about so many Americans uh, losing their jobs. Now, another example, 
is they, they were claiming that 118 trucks which participated in the cross-border pilot program made about 1,400 trips past the restricted border zone, meaning up into the U.S. And, it, and there's, Mexico's claiming that these 118 trucks and those 1,400 trips accounted for more than $400 million in trade, which can't, it's not humanly possible. Um, yeah, I so agree. <laughs> it's it's there it, the the studies the pro trucking company and the pro shipper studies they're so spun and they're so slanted that they can't pop, I mean it's laughable what these people are trying to claim but it's all their spin of course is 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 directed at opening up the border and allowing insourced cheaper labor which is which is all this is about I'm not so much a bottom line quote unquote kind of person but in this case it is in many ways a bottom line kind of issue, without a doubt. Oh, well, yeah. the so the residual effect of this, uh, you know, becoming a full-blown open border situation with thousands of trucks is that the American manufacturers that are left are heading south. Then is that what you're saying, Daniel? Well, the ones that are there, yeah, um, and a lot of them that are not manufacturing that in uh, import their goods, they're going to be importing them through the ports in Mexico using me Mexican trucking companies and skirting, um, you know, 30, 40 percent of, of the costs that they're now paying, having them come uh, the, their products. In other words, there's a lot of companies, for Walmart, for example, I don't think they use anything that's made or very few products. They they do 20 to 30 billion a year in China imports, for example. But they know they can save a lot of their costs having stuff brought up, even though Walmart, for example, might not be the best example, but they are in terms of importers and not have and, and not manufacturers of goods down in the in Mexico. So it's a dual sport thing. Some of these companies want to bring their own stuff, and and don't forget, you guys, there's a lot of produce being uh, grown and harvested and shipped north uh, in in Mexico, Central America, and South America. Um, so there's there's just a a full spectrum of of uh, products where the companies involved, the shippers, want to save uh, uh, their costs to save money, and that's what they're that's and they fully intend to do that. And that I guess is I don't know any I I, I was on the on the phone and this morning trying to find as, as the latest update on what's exactly going on, but they're being very hush-hush about it. And, in fact, nobody I know that even some of the major journalists that I th tried to contact said that they don't know. It's, it's kind of in limbo uh, right now. But I doubt that that's really where it is. You know, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of like what I was saying with the Sotomayor. It's all kind of hushed-hush, so you kind of wonder what's going on. But... Uh, if you're um, if you're for the uh, opening of the Mexican border, we'd like to hear from you. This is a talk show, after all. Our, our call-in number is three four seven eight two six nine one seven zero. If you have another side of the story you'd like to share and kick around a little bit with us, we'd appreciate you calling in. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I totally agree with you, Dan. It's just, uh, it's, I mean, it's all about money. It always is, and and uh, but I think it's really uh, ironic and the way the economy is right now, and uh, all the talk about stimulating the economy, getting it going, creating jobs, uh, but yet we're looking at something like, you know, like here you said, uh, could turn around and, and just cut a million jobs just like that feasibly. Well, I mean, well, it, yeah. makes, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? 
We, yeah. even the Mexican government, one of their comments was and uh, that, that they said, they said straight up that uh, getting rid of this pilot program was a direct effort by the United States to protect American jobs. So, I mean, even, even in their own dialogue, even, uh, I, I mean, our government is saying that it's creating jobs, and the Mexican government is owning up to the fact that we're trying to protect our own jobs. So, so you, you know where this is heading there. Yeah. 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 Well, you guys keep in mind that uh, – the shippers in this country, the trucking companies, spend tens of millions, some say more, on lobbying. They've been very effective. They're very good at it. The trucking industry, is, it, it, they use the same tactics, the same kind of lobbyists. They spend just as much money as the oil companies and the pharmaceutical companies. They fully intend to see this thing through. Now, uh, the Obama administration, to his credit, is trying to stand up against them because he knows this is going to cost uh, uh, a lot of jobs. Some people say the job loss in the trucking industry alone could be in the in the millions, maybe two, one, two, three million over the next few years, because it, it, it's just like a lot of other other industries that have imported uh, uh, in-source cheap labor, the agricultural industry, for example, or very similar to companies that have gone out of the country, like the auto manufacturers, the steel industry, huge industries with millions of people that, that are pretty much just shells of what they once were in terms of U.S. Uh, jobs. Now, um, there, the, the, the OIDA, for example, and, and you guys know that occasionally I'm critical of OIDA, but by and large, I, I so love what their, their, their stance on this thing and they're, they're saying that uh, this uh, study done by the U.S. Chamber, which was really bought and paid for by the shippers and all that, if you follow the paper trail, they're saying that it, the, the tariffs, they're, they're questioning whether the tariffs are actually in place. They're wondering if there is any evidence that there's been a negative effect. Uh, and with regards to what goods, in other words, who's getting charged these tariffs? And are they really happening or is this just a bunch of smoke and mirrors? And that's what a lot of people suspect. So right from, from A to Z, zero to hero, they're questioning everything that these people are jumping up and down screaming about. And again, the bottom line is that they're they are more than willing to trade U.S. jobs and its impact on the economy for their profit line. That's what this is about. Yeah, I, I don't think they actually care. It's become a, uh, what do they call it, the global economy. I mean, at some point, the United States isn't going to have any consumers left. We're heading there, and you were referring to the steel industry and, and, and free trade in general. And I think, I'll, and I tried to see, I, I tried to research people who were in favor of this and, and get their point of view on things. And I, I think they're caught up. And I'm talking about the regular people, not 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 the big money people that that are that are involved in this, but just the regular uh, people out there on the street. And really, the ones that are supporting this are more caught up in the theology of free trade but not understanding that the way that it's been done. And you know, an example would be in 1969, you've got one person working 40 hours a week supporting a family of four. 2009, 40 years later, you've got two people working fi uh, full-time to support a family of four and sometimes two jobs. So the, the effect of free trade overall, because of how it's been structured and because there's no, no equality built into it, you know, we have to operate by a set of standards. You, you uh, as an owner-operator, have to operate by a set of standards that, 
the competition doesn't have to follow. So, uh, I mean, this is just another example of what they've been doing for 40 years. And every single time, 100% of the time, it's, it's going to help you. It's going to create jobs. It's going to put money in your pocket. And it, it just hasn't worked that way. NAFTA could be restructured to, to, to be fair and equitable and a level playing field as far as costs and things like that. But the way it's sitting right now, it, it's just simply not the case. So, Well, this is, this is something that I've been more than a little bit outspoken on, and, and I'll try to restrain myself, Alan, especially with my typical language. But uh, uh, let's That's be clear. That's what I was saying you were, you were well known for. Uh, well, it's just punctuation, though, folks. I, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> let's be clear on this. When we're talking about free trade, make no mistake, what we're talking about is profit. That's for the companies that the companies that are involved. And don't forget, uh, a lot of millions and millions and millions of dollars in lobbying and legal manipulation on a state level, on a federal level, has gone into this 15-year plan for these companies to lower, uh, to streamline their shipping routes from point A to point B. Be that manufacturing out of the country, or uh, and and. Uh, it, 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 what, what it's all about is, is uh, profit. That's what it's about. When we're talking free trade, we're not talking about, I love you, you love me, let's our Mexican brothers and sisters, our Chinese brothers. It has nothing to do with that, nothing at all. These companies don't give a damn about those people. How can they, when they don't pay them enough, to feed their children? Right. Yeah. Yeah, actually, since, since NAFTA was, in fact, signed, the, the real wage, I mean, real wage as far as spendable dollars of the Mexican people has dropped by 25%. So that, that's how wonderful it is for them. Right. And in the same with the Chinese, the government and, and the corrupt individuals, the Chinese government is just as corrupt, in fact, in a lot more ways, uh, uh, the, as the Mexican regime, if you want to call it. And I'm not even sure what you would call them. They're somewhere between... Nazi, uh, socialist, communist, and and capitalist. You know what I mean? They're they're an odd mixture. You know what I mean? But they have. They're, they're, this is a nation that doesn't care if their people can feed their children. And China is the same way in a large part because of the Communist Party. The way that's structured, you're either in or you're out. Um, and right. we, we talk about free trade, and this just grinds me to a pulp when people talk about this. Uh, as if, as if this is this this is some kind of wonderful um, global cooperative effort for all of us to benefit and to make money and to enrich our economies and our people and create jobs and all that. When the when the facts and figures in the history of this say exactly the opposite, this is going to devastate the U.S. economy, not just the trucking industry from a driver employment uh, uh, perspective. This is going to impact the U.S. economy. Meanwhile, the situation we just are, we, they're throwing money at right now, the, the climate, the economic climate in this country, is a result of this, of them undermining the industrial base in this country. And this is just more of it. I think we're the last, and I, I mentioned this on a show previous. We did an after show several months ago, and there was a movie called The Last Buffalo. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, Daniel, but the guy's obsessed. There's only one buffalo left. Okay, they've slaughtered them all, 
and he's got a 50 caliber loaded, and he's just in a movie called by this guy trying to find the last buffalo. And I, I think literally the trucking industry is the last buffalo of three trades. It is. It is. And it's the, it's the uh, single largest labor force, and some say, and I agree with this, that it's the largest uh, specific labor force in the history of the world, and certainly in this country it is. There's 9 million registered CDL drivers in the, 40, in the 48 to 50 states. Uh, of that, there's 3.5 to 5, some say 7 million actual big rig drivers. Uh, there, you have to leave a few million for the step van, the straight box delivery drivers, um, local, uh, you know, L, uh, type drivers uh, on that level. But uh, there's it, there's definitely three and a half to five million. They say they claim there's three and a half to four million trucks on the road at any given time in the 24-hour period in this country. It's a huge labor force, um, and consequently, if you translate those dollars. Those labor, those labor paid labor dollars, uh, and you think like for a second, a big company uh, that ships in the billions a year of products to your stores, you import them, you have to pay for the importation, you have to pay for their manufacture in a foreign country and all that. Um, what they're able to control, they, they can, but the, the, the transportation labor costs for them are huge. Some companies pay billions of dollars a year. If they could cut that by 60%, I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that they're going to spend $10 million, $20 million romancing some politicians here on, on Capitol Hill to be able to get this thing done. That's what's happened here. That's what the NAFTA agreement was all about. It was purely structured. And all, all this, uh, I love you, you love me, and free trade and all this, it, 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 it's, it's, it's bull crap. Period. Nothing short of it. You know, excuse my French there, folks. I'm sorry. But uh, that's what it is. I, I'm kind of hung up on this, this, uh, this thought process of, of the people, by the people, for the people. And maybe I'm a dreamer, but isn't, aren't, don't, who? I mean, don't, don't we have something to say about what goes on in our own country? I, I mean, we're, we kind of got sold down the river here to, to the degree that uh, yeah. we're heading, we're heading, we're going to be living in tents, man. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously yeah. thinking that, that that's that's a good, I just don't see a good moon on the rise here. Right, I don't either. Um, it, 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 but I've often spoken about this, and I said, short of revolution and bloodshed, let's not even go there. We have three things: um, we are consumers, we are voters, and we are a labor force. The, the, those three. If, if, we, if we back ourselves up against the wall of truth, we stand on the Constitution, we can get this thing, we, we can tell them, we can turn the tables back to, to the way they should be instead of us being their subjects from King Obama and, all, and, 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 his, and his little bandi, band of banditos there, whatever you want to call them. Um, we don't have to be victims of government and big government anymore. But the people in this country, and, and this may sound like a criticism, but I mean it with love, honestly, um, have become quite complacent. We're more concerned about Seinfeld reruns, our minivans, and our kids' soccer games than we are about our government. I've often told people, listen, get involved in government, not politics. That's a racket. Get involved in government. That's your duty as an American. If you don't like the way things are going, do something about it. One person standing on a street corner screaming isn't going to get a whole lot of attention. A thousand, ten thousand, a million people, you can change the world that way. 
And that's what Americans have to do. The, the American truck driver typically has a very poor history of activity and unification. In fact, they have none. Uh, well, that's, that's what I was fixing to say. One of the biggest problems with the trucking industry is their drivers fighting among themselves. <laughs> right. Well, and well, here's another thing, Alan, and we've seen this even in, in, our, in a little in so-called activist Twitter community. There are people that come in, and uh-huh. their, their sole mission is, 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 is selection and disruption. It's, it's right. an old corporate tactic. They used to use it to break up the unions years uh-huh. ago. And that's right. what's happening here in the trucking industry. So, you know, this thing where people, and it's true, though, people say, well, two, drivers can't agree on where to have a cup of coffee. Forget about political, you know, governmental policy in, 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 in you know, the, the situation in our country. But it's one of those things where drivers are going to have to say, look, we're either, uh, uh, either going to do something about this and let our government know what we want. Tell them, not ask them, tell them. People make the mistake in this country, the citizens say, oh, please, Mr. President, can we, can we, de-? no, wrong. You know, but I'm not saying demand and go in there, you know, with disrespect and all that, but I'm saying it's, it's not an asking situation, it's a telling situation. Telling, They're public right. service, they work for us. You know, right, and I think that's need- what most people have just, you know, just don't realize or, you know, we're, we're such a not caring society anymore in so many ways and then again we are i mean we have these town hall meetings are just getting people fired up but still overall especially in yeah. the trucking industry daniel i mean you your show is a lot more political than truth about trucking live and you 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 sure know a lot more about this than i do but uh, i mean i i mention oh. things to some people and i talk about things and blog about things and i'll get an answer back well i really don't care or that or that doesn't affect me i don't care how do you get past that? I mean, that's a tough barrier to break, you know. Well, Some people are just so politically overloaded that they just don't care. Right. Well, and, and that's the big uh, the dilemma, Alan, and, and me sitting here many, many nights literally sweating uh, profusely trying to figure out if <laughs> – if there is, in fact, if there is any hope, and let's let's focus on the trucking industry for a second. If I were a betting man, would I bet on the American driver to get off his rear end and 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 try to do something about his and her future uh, uh, in terms of employment? If I were a betting man, would I bet a dime on him or her? No. No, no, I wouldn't. Either. No. To be honest, I wouldn't. But at the same time, that isn't to say that this future isn't a future that we can change. You know well, what I, I think mean? we are actually attempting that to a degree today. And I know that, you know, individually, when, you do, when you're running the driver, I've, I've had conversations. I, I run local. I just run Florida. And I've had conversations with drivers specifically about the uh, Mexican trucks coming up here and, and they're and the first thing is, well, it ain't going to affect me. I mean, they just don't get it. But but it does help to try to talk to people one at a time to, to, to a degree. Right. And you have to look at the fact that uh, on a government level and in the trucking industry, there has been a lot of not just misinformation and misdirection, but suppression of information. Um, consequently, uh, the average American truck driver, it's really not his and her fault to a degree, 
that they are very uninformed. They don't understand the severity of this situation. In other words, we're less than two years away from the curtain coming down on the American truck driver as we've known him and her for the last hundred years. Now, I, I, I think I, I, if they really realized that, they would think, okay, well, I'm going to have to skip the online gambling, the porn, and uh, the Seinfeld reruns for a couple hours a week, get involved uh, with my, my Congress people, my senators, and the governors, and go to sites like Washington Watch, follow the legislation that's, as it moves through the Congress and the Senate and goes to committee. Even though it's in committee, like Jason's law, for example, is in committee getting kicked around, um, people can still influence what happens with it. Um, and in the right. trucking industry, uh, you know, there, there's so many issues, but without, if this Mexican truck program, if you want, I don't even know what to call it anymore, but if this thing is allowed to, if, if the minute they flood the border, all bets are off, none of this other legislation is going to matter. We yeah. can talk about anything we want to talk about, but the, the I, and I have seen, and I, I see, I just did a trip up to North Maine and back. I just got back two nights ago. In every single truck stop, there were, and, and again, I'm, I agree with Alan, I'm not against the Mexicans. If I woke up one day and found myself a Mexican citizen, I would grab a gallon of water and, and dive under that fence so fast your head would spin. I'm not faulting But the thing is, is the, it's the why they're here. That's the thing. You know, there are U.S. companies hiring them. There are shippers that want to hire Mexican drivers and Mexican trucking companies. But they claim, I saw an estimate the other day, they said they, they claim there's 40 million illegals in this country. And the I don't, government I don't think we know how many because, there are. Well, that's right. It, it, and people say, if, if, if uh, the big business says there's 10 or 11 million, it's usually twice that. Yeah, at least. Uh, the thing is, is somebody is hiring these people. Somebody is paying them. If, and if that's true, then what makes you think for one second that they're not going to go hog wild with the Mexican trucking companies and the Mexican drivers in this country? They are already running. I've got news for you. I don't care what you've heard. They are already running in this country. The U.S. trucking companies are hiring them south of the border, and there are leased companies, Mexican-based companies leased in this country that are running Mexican nationals in this country, 48 states, right now as we speak. Oh, well, I can yeah. attest to that. I mean, I've been out on the road, and I have uh, stopped at rest areas or truck stops, and I've had uh, Mexican drivers come up to me with a little note for directions, couldn't speak a word of English. I mean, honestly, could not speak a word of English. Or read it. Or read it, and yet... They just knew enough just to ask me, you know, uh, uh, just a little bit of something, or they, they already had it written in English. And, right. And I'm trying to uh, explain to them, and, but I've talked to them, seen them with my own eyes. So, yeah, they're here. Now, how in the world are they over here when they can't read and speak English? Amazes me. <laughs> they're being hired, Alan, under current commerce loopholes that have been in, in place for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, so but what, what, in, instead of flying under the radar, they want to flood. In fact, in this I read a couple of months ago, one of the economic analysts who was not afraid of the president, this guy said, do you know that the, the, the truck manufacturers, when the Mexican pilot program got shelved back in uh, 
December, January, or February, if it, I can't remember the exact date, but it was about that time period, uh, that there were several major truck manufacturers that are now forecasting losses for trucks. They did not sell because this program got shelved. Mm. Huge losses. I mean, in the tens of millions of truck sales. Um, this, wow. this, was, this was supposed to be a very big deal, a windfall for them. Um, now, if, if they are allowed, if, for, if, if somehow, some way, uh, the, the Mexican uh, trucks are allowed in full force to come over the border, and the difference between what's going on now and what will happen will be just huge numbers, and big business will be free to uh, hire them in any any potential situation from on the other side of the border, from this side of the border, any which way, it's just going to be a cheap labor insource deal. That's what they're that's what they're going for. Well, yeah. yeah well, but, but let me ask, go ahead, Barry. Oh, I was going to say because he had gotten disconnected, and I didn't <clears throat> didn't know if you heard what I was talking about cabotage with the point to point within the country type of loads, and that we don't have the infrastructure to enforce those laws. So. Once a foreign truck comes up here, uh, it isn't just the loads, uh, you know, heading back south that we're, that we're potentially lose. We, we might uh, lose that load you just hauled to Maine from from Florida. I, I mean, it's, yeah. once the truck's up here, it could stay up here for six months, a year. You could just stay up here forever. It's not. It's really a big deal. Yeah. Well, that's what they intend to do, and that's what this will allow. They'll be able to set up. Uh, their own terminals or, you know, their own dispatch, just like any American trucking company, they'll be operating in that way up here. And that, that will enable, and this, this, is, this is a plan that's been in the works by big business for a very long time. This, we've only been talking about it for the last couple of years, but this has been something that's been in the works since Clinton was chasing interns around his desk. And before that, yeah, yeah, he signed it in, in, into law, actually, in, uh, yes, what, in 1994. He knew what he was doing. He would knew this would this. He knew what this would end up doing to American jobs, but he also knew he'd be long gone. Yeah, so he doesn't have to pay the political price for it. Someone else. Uh, well, what what what's the difference? Because once the borders open, is you know, to the degree that you're talking about it, it's just not going to close back up. So it's kind of no. Kinda, no. Kind of in a bad position. Yeah, no, yeah. But it'll, it'll be it'll be a sealed deal then. But uh, but you know you said uh, you said a little while ago, Daniel, that uh, I mean these trucking companies aren't nothing to sneeze at. I mean they're multi-million. Some of them are multi-billion-dollar companies. And like you said oh, yeah. a while ago, if this is what they want, they're going to get it. You're right, because they're working with two different shipper cartels that make up almost 300 of the largest manufacturer importer retail sales outlet distribution wholesale type companies all of the major players are involved in this behind the scenes they don't want you to know about it but they are and they're the ones spending more money on this the trucking companies are trying to play catch up and they're saying no no yes sir right away sir right. you know they're they're trying to jump in line because they want a piece of this thing and they and they they are the transportation logistics uh, force in this nation and and oh, yeah. so that's what's going on. Now, a lot of people are also arguing that the Mexican domiciled motor carriers do not fall under, and some people, one guy said he actually had a report from someone who defected from the FMCSA uh, and the DOT that said, that, that called upon the state uh, 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 
highway patrols in all the states to to lay off the Mexican trucks, um, and they know that uh, uh, they're they're 33, almost 34 percent of the Central American carriers get placed out of service regularly. They could place out of service twice the amount if they had enough law enforcement out there on the road to do this. Right. In 08, they did almost 900 inspections, and 40% of the vehicles they inspected were placed out of service, and 64, 63% of the Mexican drivers were placed out of service because they didn't even have driver's licenses. Yeah, yeah, we, we've touched on that before. I mean, now you know that's a whole other issue. And if, yeah. if they if they flood open that gate and let them in, I tell you what, people think uh, uh, safety issues and accidents are something right. now. Boy, they better they better hold on because yeah. I mean, you've been to Mexico, right? Right, uh, Daniel? Yeah, I in fact you've, uh, you've back driven in down my, there. Yeah, um, some friends of mine uh, have probably still have. Uh, some property down there. I used to be a competitive surfer, and back in the 70s, we would go down and live in Mexico for weeks and months at a time. And back then, it was it was fun. You know, you don't really get a sense of when you're beachfront of, of the economics, what's really going on. I do recall uh, people living in what I thought was a dump site, but it was actually a little shanty town right on the cliffs down by K38, north of uh, Rosarita. In a in an area called San Miguel, um, uh-huh. and it was a culture shock and a half to me. Look, coming from a waterfront home here in South Florida, going to a place like this, I thought it was a dump zone. I was tiptoeing with my surfboard, and it was cold. My wetsuit and all that, and these two naked little boys, uh, little little ones, like three year olds, come running out from under this piece of plywood, which I I it was laying on the ground, and I don't I I'm like, where the hell did you guys come from? And then I look, and there was a woman, a, a young beautiful young girl waving you know holding her hand out to me and i i I, i'll never forget the shock on my face i'm like yeah what you know what i mean i couldn't believe the culture shock and uh, yeah but anyway to answer your question without going too far off on that one alan i uh yeah i i'm very familiar with mexico yeah i knew you were and i um i mean i've been there too and uh i've kind of done the same thing to you one time when i was on my way down to monterey i looked out over in the distance and I saw all this kind of stuff. I couldn't quite make it out up there on the hill, and um, I kind of turned around. I wanted to see what it was because, to be honest, it looked like uh, it looked like uh, a pig farm. It just looked like you know pig pens and stuff like that. And, yeah. And uh, as I got closer, I realized that it was uh, just a small little town. Uh, <laughs> I mean, these these were the yeah. homes and everything. And you know that's sad. It's terrible. You know, it just really tugs at you when you see something like that. And and uh, so that's you know that's why I always say, man, you can't blame the people for trying to better themselves, but uh, they have no EPA laws down there. I mean, they they just don't no. get the driving. I mean, when I was in Monterey, which is a huge city, they uh, the driving was just unbelievable. I mean, they drive up on the sidewalk, they do anything they want, and again, there's no EPA laws. There's just smoke billowing out everywhere. I'm just wondering, you know, if that kind of driving habit come over here to America, we're we're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Public and, safety-wise, you know? Yeah, and the, the Mexican Conviction Database, it's called, uh, is anything but. 
they don't keep records of tra traffic convictions, traffic, you know, on the CDL holders. Therefore, if a Mexican driver gets pulled over, and I'm not going to go too far into the safety issue, although let's just suffice it to say that in, from the Mexican side, anybody could be driving that truck over. Anybody. These are not like when you think of the American truck driver, by and large, they are professionals with good safety records. There's a few bad apples, but by and large, they're nothing. The Mexican drivers are, are nothing even remotely close in comparison to the integrity of the U.S. drivers and the safety records and all that. And, and oh, the yeah. government of Mexico does not even keep records. And some say that that's intentional because with them it's just a matter of putting – you know, rear ends in seats, really, as opposed to them caring about the professionalism in 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 that uh, in their industry. Well, it is a free for all. They they don't actually yeah. have a a certified drug testing lab in the country of Mexico. Period. No. To begin with, let alone the database itself is fine. It's just non-existent. Uh, any any yeah. infraction that. Uh, Okay, me or you or Alan or anybody else, if if we do something in our car, that's held against our CDL, and those laws aren't even in place there. So hours of service, there's absolutely no – You kind of, I think it's one of those deals like it might have been here 30 years ago. If you can drive the thing, you're, you're, you're a truck driver. I think that's kind of how it is. Yeah. yeah, but we well, but we would we wouldn't allow that to come in. I mean, you know, we've got a lot to say about the government and everything, but, I mean, they they – they wouldn't allow. I mean, they would have to be something in that NAFTA proposal to prevent things no. like that. No, I mean, it's not, Alan. It, it, there was an 07 audit for Central American domicile motor carriers, their inspection records, and that wasn't even included in the DOT data report in 08. The FMCSA declined clarification on it and other audit findings because they didn't have any. No, they don't, Alan. I, I researched that, and in, in the country of Mexico, there's there's really nothing. NAFTA does oh, have. I, ha, oh, ha, I, know, have I, I know Mexico, but I'm just saying. I mean, at the well, border, surely we wouldn't allow such safety issues and things like that to come into this country. Well, they, there's no there's no way. Well, basically, what I, what I was getting from the reading I did is there's no way to prove it. So. When someone, so for example, they don't have hours of service, or if there is something on the book, they certainly don't enforce it. So when a truck shows up at the border, he starts a logbook and he says, "I just had a 10-hour break and I'm drug-free or whatever." But we, there's there's no there's no paper trail whatsoever to to track, in fact, that that, that they don't have a thousand tickets, that they're safe, that they're trained, that that they're drug-free, alcohol-free. There's we we have absolutely nothing. To, to go on, and when they did the pilot program, what they did it really sneaky. Obviously, they sent brand new equipment. They sent a top of the line driver because they knew they were being watched. And some of the people that are advocating this mess claim that American drivers get a seven percent out of service rate, and that the Mexican uh, uh, pilot uh, test uh, people only got a three percent. So they're, they're already doing yeah. a disinformation campaign. But but they're kind of yeah. kind of a free free for all of the trucking industry down there. And, and when they show up at the border, I, we have to. I'm sure it'll be documents, but if there's nothing to back the documents up, anybody could print them out on their on their computer. It's just there's there's just no nothing, no infrastructure in place down there. It's one, one of the biggest things is is that until Mexico gets the same set of rules that we have, then then they they don't those trucks have no business being up here because we just have to take the driver's word for it that he's safe, and and that's kind of no, sad. That's never going to happen. Mexico's not going to do that. No. No, no, they don't have to. They're not going to. 
Um, And, you know, insiders are saying, and I've actually read this, that uh, the DOT has been called off them. In other words, most of the trucks, the Mexican trucks running in this country, for one reason or another, could be placed or the driver could be placed out of service. The percentages in what they are testing, uh, when they do pull them over, and some states are going against the federal mandate, the the, the inner office memo that none of us are ever going to see, but some states are going after these guys, and the percentages of them shutting down or pulling the driver out of the out of the truck for good uh, is very high. It's in the 30s. It's in the percentages are high 20s, low 30s, low to mid 30s on the average. Well, even- are you, are you referring just putting them out of service for ten, for a ten hour break or something, or, or for a safety infraction uh, on the equipment? Safety and regulation violations for the vehicle and the drivers, and they're saying that the percentage for the drivers is up around fifty percent, whereas it's about thirty three, thirty three and a half, thirty four percent for the vehicles. And uh, that's those percentages based on the inspections that they that they that they typically do, and this goes back to say the 07 uh, 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 season, this was data from 07. They're they're claiming, and this is when the pilot, they were trying to sell the pilot program. Oh, okay, because some of the numbers I'm reading, I mean, they just, they're not even making any sense, you you know, because you didn't have enough units and there wasn't enough checks to as far I mean, in other words, these are people that support it, saying that that that, that Mexican trucking companies, based on the numbers they gave, are over over twice as safe as we are in the, while operating in this country. And I thought that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, it, and it's just plain not true. Yeah. Well, I, I I suspected, and and that was like I, I want to say USA Today. I can't be held to that, but it was in a major publication that I read that, and I I got an idea they might be fibbing about that. Yeah. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, Daniel, I knew you'd like that one. I just, you know, do you think maybe they're stretching the truth just a little bit here? Another question, Daniel, you might know. Okay, so for example, when when a foreign driver is in this country and does get a ticket and does do reckless driving, does do this or that, I, would we even have a database of that particular individual, or is that just left up no. to the Mexican government as well? No, they're they're. That's the thing. Even the DOT conceded that it's something that they need to work on, the FMCSA. Yet to date, they haven't. They have done nothing to be able to track these drivers. You could have a guy that just got out of prison for killing 40 people in a, for a drug cartel, and he's got 20 kilos in his truck, and he'll go out there and hand an expired license or whatever, and and they don't know him from anybody else. The Mexicans. They're, oh yeah, no. The Mexicans they they purposefully do not purposely do not keep records of these drivers. The, even our government, a state enforcement officer, pulls over a Mexican driver. He knows he's not even going to bother trying to run a check on the guy because he won't be able to. So what you're telling me is, once a person's a commercial truck driver in Mexico, he's got a lifetime job regardless of behavior. Right. Wow. Right. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, and that, that I believe it from being down there because man, they drive crazy. Well, and they're claiming that a lot of these guys are in fact working for the drug cartels. The Mexican government knows that they're involved in the drug distribution trade. So, what the the big fear, one of the big fears, and it's and it's a and it's a well-founded fear, 
is that these guys are coming over. They're they're on the surface. They're oh, just a humble little Mexican trying to feed his little family in his hacienda. But in reality, what they're doing is they're going to be moving a hot, very high percentage, a lot more dope coming over the border. That's why all the cartels have moved up to the border. What in, in, in anticipation of a, <laughs> this is kind of a bad sense of humor here, but what you're telling me is that they're anticipating cheaper freight rates on their drug smuggling? Yeah, well, better access, too. Wow, well, it's not hard to hide a couple tons of whatever on a 53-foot box, that's for sure. Catch, they catch it all the time coming over the border now. They, the increase in dope being caught at the border has gone up 60 70% in the last year. Oh it's it's huge. It's the scariest thing in the world. Law enforcement, they're ripping their hair out. The DEA, the Border Patrol, they're just looking at the government going, what in the hell are you doing? Right. I mean, this goes this goes far beyond. Yeah. I mean, as bad as it is, it goes far beyond yes, American truckers losing jobs. I mean, we're right. getting into just pure danger and violence coming through here, possibly. Yeah. I mean, well, it's going to raise the crime level in our cities, Alan. There's going to be more dope cheaper. There's going to be uh, uh, turf wars. There's going to be a lot more dope. There's going to be a lot more dope in the high schools, a lot more dope in the bars, a lot more accidents, a lot more fatalities from people being under the influence. It's When you, br- when you bring more dope into a situation, anything bad, when you bring more in, there's more access. It's cheaper dope. The price of dope is going to go down. More people are going to be uh, using cocaine. They make a lot of crack in, Cal- in uh, Mexico now. Heroin, uh, you know, the big three. There's going to be a lot more of that. You're going to see the death. That You're going to see a much higher epidemic of it and the resulting crime, not just these guys coming over the border with it. And this is something that the government is suppressing all this stuff. And the shippers, they don't care. They never have cared. All they care about is their bottom line. But I can't understand how stupid they can be to to pull the rug out from under themselves. Their customer base are the consumers in this country, yet they outsource all the jobs. They devastate the economy. Then they cry that they're going broke, these huge companies. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not to mention just a little tidbit about – what in the world is going to happen to customer service? But, but let me ask you, Daniel. What, 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 what would you say to people who just say, you know, oh, Daniel, you're you're just an alarmist? What do you say to well, people like that? Well, what I would say is that if if it sounds like I'm upset and frantic and very serious about this, it's because of the facts that that are available to anyone. This is not speculation. I'm talking about. This is not. This is not some kind of uh, emotional issue that I have. This is something that's based in what I'm seeing, that anybody, could, you can look into it for 15 minutes, and you will be screaming like me. I guarantee it. This is such a multi, the multiple, the multi-level aspects of this are so horrific to the United States and the people of this country, not just the American truck driver, that... Uh, you know, you have to go below the surface. Don't believe everything you read and hear on CNN on, on cable news, not to pick on CNN, but don't believe everything you see in here. Start putting the facts together yourself, and you'll see that this will be one of the single worst economic efforts in this, in this country's history, period, on a yeah. lot of level. Yeah. And that's what, what you're saying about the inflation. 
Go ahead, Barry. What, uh, yeah, sorry. I'm just uh, what Daniel was saying about the media. I just wanted to throw that out there, and not to pick on any particular network either, but they're owned by corporations that obviously, in, in some cases, stand to gain if this goes through, and they're probably not going to uh, put anything negative about it up there just for that reason. So it's not likely that, that a lot of this information is going to make it in the mainstream news. No. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, how surprising is that? <laughs> well, well, I was hoping. Little club, you know, big business is very well established. You guys, the average person has no idea the network and the outline that big business has and has had established uh, on a governmental uh, and a media information level. They, I'm not to say that they control it completely, but look at who owns NBC, GE, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually thinking about them when I made that statement, yes. Do you know how many products that GE makes out of the country? They hardly make anything here anymore. So, of course, they're going to want to control the slant and the spin on stuff when they're looking after their pro- their bottom line, not to pick on GE, but that just as an example, a, a huge multinational, multi-billion dollar company worth hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, do you think for one second that they're not going to try to control the flow of information? Some people say that they bought NBC, MSNBC for that purpose. Well, they've been doing a good job. <laughs> well, and they are. They've been they doing are. a good job. I, I got that... Uh, I haven't listened to them lately. They pulled it off of the satellite. But, yeah, they were doing a heck of a good job of propaganda. I'll say that for them. Yeah. Well, again, that's just an example, you guys, about how the information flow in this country, if you look at most of the major media outlets, most of the major media uh, from cable news to newspapers and magazines, they're controlled by corporations that also have to deal with import, export, and manufacturing. So, uh, Daniel, what potential, you know, and I know obviously like you had, you had said earlier uh, that, you know, their truckers collectively being the contemporaneous bunch of independent-minded, whatever you want to call us, are getting organized and taking action could be massive with the six million or more that you were speaking to. But what do you think, like a driver who's listening to the show right now, like what could they do today to, 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 to make a difference, do you think? Go to either my blog site or Alan's, find uh, the links to the House of Representatives, to the Senate, find your senator, find your congressman, get on, on get uh, uh, familiar with them, that them get involved in government on a daily basis or a weekly basis if you can. Let them know your thoughts, but do look into some of the legislations, Jason's Law, the Mexican program. Ask about it. Find out where it is. Uh, there has to be a collective effort here in the trucking industry. Uh, they're thinking that there probably isn't going to be, based on the history of the American driver. Um, they expected to walk through this. The last thing they ever expected was that the president would would pull the funding for the Mexican program, something where they're going to make billions of dollars. Our taxpayer, our tax dollars are going to go for uh, this the, their for their profit line. It's the sickest thing. But uh, the average uh, person, the average uh, uh, truck driver uh, needs to get involved. It's just that simple. I mean, it's just that simple, but it's also very possible. Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I, I want to hope so. Because it is. It, it's definitely possible. I've been part of legislations with just 10,000 people, that legislation that went through. 
you know, this the the uh, 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 the surcharge thing with the brokers. You know, I was on the fringe of that and saw it go through with very little collective effort uh, across the board among drivers. But it still went through. Probably never getting forced, but it still went through. It, it, it's it's with as large a labor force as this is we're talking about here, they could control the outcome of any piece of legislation, any program, even the Mexican program, if drivers chose to get involved. Otherwise, I guarantee you, and this isn't me being an alarmist, anybody, I, I, I would challenge anybody out there to prove me wrong on any level and once you do, once you look into this, you will become a believer like I have been, having researched this as a journalist for the last three years. Right. Um, well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's why we wanted you on because I know you've been a, uh, done a lot in this. Listen, let's. Um, okay. Uh, Daniel. Um, yes, sir. Uh, tell our listeners how, how. Tell us about how can they catch your talk show? You have a great talk show, by the way. I really enjoy it. I I don't get much time to call in, but I, I just sit here and listen while I'm working. But. How can they catch your talk show? Tell us about your website, your blog, whatever, and so forth. Well, and uh, you can, how do they get there? Well, you can either go to uh, the Truck Star Radio Facebook fan page. Just go to go to uh, Facebook, and in the upper right, the little search box that comes up on most people have a Facebook page. Just uh, enter Truck Star Radio, and the Truck Star Radio fan page will come up. On that page, in the center line, and on the left sidebar is all the information, the phone number, my Skype name. A lot of people, a lot of the European and South American Australian drivers, they Skype into the show uh, at the Truck Star Live. But uh, on the Truck Star Radio Facebook fan page, you can find all the information or go to my blog site, thetruckstar.com, T-H-E, thetruckstar.com, is all the information. You can uh, make a phone call. You can call in and listen to the show uh, on your cell phone, your smartphone, your iPhone, uh, you can Skype in and listen into the show. Uh, I have three different phone lines you can call in uh, and just listen, like I was saying, with your cell phone or, or whatever means. Or you can listen to the stream on your also on your cell phone, your smartphone, or your iPhone on your laptop. I have uh, four different media players for the iPhone Mac users. Um, and most people in their computer use their default media player, which is Windows. But I also have the real audio and QuickTime players available for a direct link to the show. I also have a Flash player. Any any possible way where you can you can stream an MP3 stream or download is is how you can get to the to the to the radio show. And I go on usually whether I'm on the road or not from about eight o'clock on, give or take a few minutes depending on my schedule and where I'm at. But the listeners that uh, uh, listen in on a regular basis. They know that my schedule, I'm still a working driver, uh, is is sometimes I'm not the most punctual because of it. Uh, but, right. uh, That's understandable, but man, you're, generally, you're, like, you're like on all the time. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, the thing is, Alan, is I got to tell you, uh, when I first started doing this, I, I did a few test shows. Uh, back in January, and I had been talking about it in my blog. I my blog's read by a hundred thousand or more people a week. It's featured in a lot of areas, and I'm and I'm. It's I don't know why, but my blog site per se only gets a few hundred people a day, but it's featured on a lot of other sites around the world. And so, yeah. consequent anyway, I had a lot of people 
that when I started broadcast, I just went up, no music, no nothing. I just got on and started talking, and, and that's still what I do. And, uh, you know, the first couple of nights, I only got a few people, and then, bang, literally overnight, it went from 1,000, and I had 8,000-plus, now almost 9,000 people the other night. I don't know who they are, where they come from, but I know they come from all over the world. The numbers are growing exponentially. And, again, if a radio, professional radio person, and this they do, the serious people, they listen to me almost every, a lot of people do, and they they think, how can this guy be doing this? But And I can't really explain that to you. You know, I, it's, I couldn't. It's explain. amazing. Yeah, it really did. You know, but well, it's just, you, you know, I, I I just get on there and, and uh, you know, it's, it's when I say this definitely isn't the kind of talk radio grandpa listens to it. That's not just a tagline. It's, it's a reality. Um, and, you know, I'm on every night and it's easy for people, any from a cell phone to a laptop uh, to any, there's any way that you have that you can communicate, you can listen to truck star radio. And it took me a long time to set up and it cost me a lot of money to do it every month, but it's something that I'm very determined uh, to do to offer this. I don't even take ads uh, yet. I am developing shows for several of the top trucking sites and a few other uh, entities out there. And, you know, I'm trying to hook up a, 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 a news broadcast from one of the majors. Uh, you know, there's just a hundred things going on, but the core element is and always will be uh, the truck driver, period, because I am one. Um, right. You know, and that's right. what well, we're doing. But, you know. it, it, it's a great show, so I wanted to get it out there, and uh, not that it isn't already, but uh, I, um, but we'll let you go. I know you're busy. Okay, uh, Alan. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, and uh, keep in touch, and uh, thanks again. I really do appreciate it. Okay, Alan. Thanks a lot. Tell Donna I said hello. All right. And thanks for all your help out at Gats, too. I never thanked you for that. I really do appreciate that. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I, I, that, Gats was, uh, I had the best time at that show, even though if you look at those pictures, I was dead tired. I was worse than dead tired. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still had fun, it was fun. Donna's, Donna's adorable. She's so cute because she's so sincere and she really, really tries so hard. And I just, I love that about her. Yeah, she did a great job. But, yeah, I wanted to thank you. I just never got around to it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's okay. Anytime, Alan. Anytime. All right. Have a have a good time, and thanks for uh, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thanks good, for good talking to you. Good talking to you, Daniel. All right. So, uh, Daniel Audet, that was our special guest. Uh, very knowledgeable in these things and uh, all, all just all areas of trucking and uh, political, and you can catch him at thetruckstar.com. And uh, uh, Truck Star Radio—that's uh, that's his own show. And like he said, he has a has a show almost every night. It usually starts around eight o'clock and kind of goes on for eleven, twelve, one a.m. Sometimes, just depending on his schedule. But uh, Truck Star Radio—you can catch him there, and uh, just uh, does a great job. And it has a ton of followers. And uh, glad to have him on here and everything. So uh, very just. Uh, uh, had a good show. I mean, well, some of this thing is just amazing, you know, and when when y'all got to talking about and Daniel brought up the drugs and the cartel and all this kind of stuff, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, man, this, this, I, I never really thought about it so much. I'm just so busy with other things, but uh, a, a lot of danger and violence could come along with this thing. I'm just sitting here wondering, I mean, what's going on in the background if this thing's ever really going to get blown open? 
I, I suspect that they'll, well, they'll never give up. I, I, I mean, the, the initial NAFTA agreement was signed in 94 or 5, and here we are in 2009, and they're still putting a full-court press on it. So it's not like they're ever going to give up. And uh, yeah, the omnibus spending bill back in uh, March or whenever that was defunded the pilot program, but the idea that it's ever going to go away, I don't think so. Yeah, well, it's just uh... – yeah, when did you say, 94, 95, somewhere around in there? It, it was around there, yeah. And, it, and like I said, and the initial, actually, as soon as the agreement was signed, well, it was supposed to have allowed the trucks to come across the border right then, right there. So there has been some sort of an effort to get us forward to 2009, to, to working against it. And, and I'm not sure exactly where from, but, you know, somebody has had to been been out there uh, stopping it, or it would it'd be a, a done deal by now. Uh, yeah, which is kind of funny because, I mean, it's it's a written deal. I mean, it's in stone, and that's why Mexico, you know, threw those tariffs on us a while back because, uh, I mean, it is written and it is done, but yet we still haven't opened the borders. So uh, I could kind of see where they were coming from, but when I look at this whole thing, it's just kind of a strange thing strange thing you know it's kind of a weird deal yeah it's, it's sort of like the twilight zone of of, uh, of 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 political structure and economics and you know you don't you want to think that there's honest people out there and obviously there are but when it comes to nafta these other trade agreements and, and obviously the, the mexican truck being a, a huge what what daniel was describing is just flat a, a set of circumstances that you can't believe could occur in this country, yet everything I read supports what Daniel's saying, and, and I did some research, and everything that he said, just is, is, is he could prove every word of it. It's not anything well, see, that anybody's making up. Yeah, that's why, I mean, he's a smart guy. I mean, he, he's, he's really a smart guy. and, and He's he sharp, man. He doesn't just throw stuff out without being able to back it up, you know what I mean? So that's uh he was a, a good one to have on here and and uh you know, a whole lot smarter than I am, but but I know that he does his homework and what he says he could back up and prove and uh I I, I just I I was just sitting here just thinking about man, you know, I never even thought about that, but it makes sense. And, uh, the, you know, Mexico not having a database for their drivers, and, well, we think, well, you know, we'll establish one once we open the border. Well, we couldn't even hardly handle uh, a two-week uh, cash for clunkers program. So <laughs> I don't know, you know. I mean, this is just amazing. But I, I look back and I think, you know, we have been talking about this for years and years, but I, I think we're getting closer, you know. And like Daniel said, these multimillion-dollar multi-billion dollar trucking company that this if this is what they want they're going to get it but you know then on the other hand uh you know people can rise up and stop things look at this national health care thing you know yeah that's what i liked i was kind of uh what, what was that Nine twelve. there was uh and you, you know they didn't exactly put estimates i mean it was all over the board how many people showed up there but a lot of what they were there for was things like this Everybody wanted to spin it into something political, and they all hate Obama. It's really uh, a response to something. It's, it's taken 20 years or more for people to get to that point, but they're starting to wake up. And I got a lot of hope that that, that when people really wake up to to what's going on and how it's going to impact them, that that hopefully more people will become involved and become knowledgeable about the 
the free trade of these circumstances and what and the the government we elect these people to act as representatives of us and i mean who owns the country I, we have it seems like we have no say at all and it's very frustrating yeah but you know I, you know when i look at politics and uh you know, we don't do much politics here on the show. We're we're more into the CDL students, but uh, you know, important things like this we do. But it's like I was mentioning earlier. You know, I just don't know if so many people are uh, just you know brain dead over politics or just don't care. I mean, you you look at Rush Limbaugh. You know, the number one talk show host in the world, and uh, I mean, how many listeners does he have? Five million. Yes, or something been... like that. I mean, so five million listeners. Out of a population of five or six hundred million, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just don't know if people are just so burned out from politics, or just don't care, or they're just so busy, you know, trying to trying to pay their bills and feed their families. But that's the hardest thing I see about just trying to really get people involved and trying to do something to change things and. Uh, Make them understand that this just isn't, you know, alarmist. You know, this is this is really happening, and one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be done, and then it's going to be like, uh oh. Well, I, I, at some point, they're 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 just uh, you're dumping water in a container, and and our ice is melting, boy. We're it's this isn't about promoting one thing for sure. This and Daniel hit on it repeatedly. It's not about promoting our best interests. It's not about creating jobs. It's not about putting your kids through college. It's not about be, being able to, to live the American dream. It's, it's exactly the opposite. And I, I could just hope that, that, that people will, will look to become involved. But I think one person at a time. I, you, I, I think one person at a time. Alan, you, you don't know who's listening today that might have not known any of this. And, and you, you just got to take it at that level. And uh, I'm going to go to... Uh, Daniel's site and get involved a little bit with what he's up to and, and hopefully uh, learn something. I, he, he's very, you know, he, that guy he just got a head full of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, he does. And he does have a great site. I mean, just go to uh, go to uh, thetruckstar.com and um, he has, you know, buttons up there. I mean, you'll see Truckstar Radio. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, well-laid out site. And, uh, I've been there. It, it, it's been a while. I've been there. I, I just kind of, well, you know how you get wrapped up in a hundred different things, but I'm going to go back. Oh, to yeah, you've just been working and stuff. And and he, he you know, he blogs and writes. and, and uh, But, you know, he's a he's a journalist. He's a professional guy, you know. So he, he does his work, and and uh, he doesn't just shoot things out there without, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, knowing that it's reality and stuff. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good one, the truckstar.com, truckstar radio. So, but... Well, we're just going to have to sit back and just see what this happens, you know. Uh, uh, and Daniel confirmed it, too, you know. I mean, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, Obama met with the Mexican president, and now all of a sudden it's just like real quiet. You don't know what's going on. That's when I get the n- most nervous because <laughs> I like to know what is going on, you know. Well, that, that's where I got that quote about how we were uh, – that was from Calder, Calderon – about how we were uh, doing this just to protect American jobs, and that's what by all means. But here he is, President Mexico, and, and not a problem with him looking out for Mexico's best interests. That's what he's supposed to do. But, but he came right out and said, you know, the, the basically in between the lines a little bit, and they, so be it. But he came right out and said that this is going to, you know, they're, they're trying to protect American jobs. So he he realizes obviously that it's going to cost American jobs. Well, he, he was honest enough to say it. Like, 
you like to a few other ones would actually come out and, and, and speak to that. Well, yeah, I mean, of course we're trying to save American jobs, but you know, you've you've got a, um, you know, you know, three and a half, four, five million active drivers in the U.S. right now, and uh, this thing comes along and knocks out fifty percent of them. I mean, man, you're talking devastation. Oh, me and you, we were well. The, the individual drivers involved, and, and with my soybean analysis of wages, you're putting many millions of tons of soybeans into the soybean market, the driver market. I, you're, you're talking about a scenario where people, you know, they're saying, well, people are getting foreclosed on. Well, there's going to be a whole lot more of that. The drivers, it's, it's going to have a massive impact. It's just a little, it's just a reversal on 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 outsourcing jobs. They're just going to insource the labor and 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 attack us that way. Well, they're going to be able to pay that cheap labor. I mean, you know, they you know they if they can come over here and you know drive for fifteen, twenty, twenty one cents a mile, whatever whatever it's going to be, uh, you know, but they cram them with three thousand miles a week. You know, that's going to be big money for them and. And, uh, you know, I, I don't blame them. I don't blame the people or the drivers coming over. I mean, heck, I'd, I'd be doing the same thing if I was in their shoes. But but uh, I, it's just uh, part of me is like, you know, will, I mean, will our government really do that to their own people? I mean, that kind of gets kind of scary, you know. Yeah, well, that's what gave me the creeps. I, w- I was researching for this and was turning over exactly what Dan was talking about, the lack of a database just. Floored me. I had no idea. I and I imagine that most people didn't. Just a lack of a database and and a situation where you got a CDL driver that I'm supposed to compete with. One of the one of the uh, congressmen he said that, uh, that this is totally fair. I, I'm leaving names out of this for now. I think his name was I think it was either Alfred E. Newman or Trent Lott. But uh, he uh, <laughs> he said uh, that uh, he, we just don't want to compete. I mean that was his statement. Now this is going back a while when they when they tried to uh, pull the funding on it the first time, and then uh, the Bush administration found a loophole. So they did defund it, and then he found a loophole to keep it going. I mean, that guy was obsessed with with doing this, and it really I, – I can't even – I mean, if he comes on a – I don't even have a TV, but I, 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 I'm so politically living in no man's land, I don't even know. Uh, it just made me sick to my stomach that a guy that would, with a pocket full of cash and that, uh, that he got handed to him like that could be so totally – barren of, of any care about anybody, you know, and, I, and I, I say when it comes to politicians, it comes down to what they do. Their words are you know, predominantly useless, and, you know, so what that man did is just, uh, he ain't welcome in my house, and uh, that the senator that said, you know, we don't want to compete, well, that 15 cents a mile part of it's going to make that rather difficult. Yeah, yeah, well, there's more of them like that out there, too. I don't know, the whole Seems like everything's just going crazy, but we're, we'll we'll watch it and stay on top of it if uh, if we can. But uh, I don't know if it's getting any closer. But it's like Daniel said, if you know if people can just get involved, they can turn it around and stop it. But I think it's going to be a big fight. You know, there's, it's definitely going to be a big fight ahead. We'll just we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, there are things in NAFTA. Uh, how much time we got left, Alan? Uh, well, we've got about two minutes. And I got to start shutting it down. Uh, about two minutes. Okay, uh, I'll run through a couple things really quick. But uh, Article 904, 1, 2, uh, 1, 3, uh, 1202, 1203, 
to sum it up, it, it says that the same circumstances, and this, this is part of that, 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 that we are forced to operate under as American trucking companies, American drivers, is supposed to be, they don't, this, this is about everything, not just trucking, but basically that whatever standards that we have to hold to environmentally and drug testing and laws, it, it, they, they should have to hold to the same standards. So I think what may have been holding it up is the fact that in NAFTA there is a part that says it's supposed to be somewhat equitable. So that might might be why it hasn't totally happened yet. But there actually is language in NAFTA to prevent what we're talking about. Although <laughs> since one is following the law, such a big deal. So. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, that that makes sense. That's what I was trying to get at earlier. There has to be something in there for some kind of protection. But okay, well. Uh, Barry, thanks for another great show. Um, we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. We're going to be doing some more shows and everything. So I guess uh, for now we'll just uh, shut it down until we can get some more up there. But they'll be coming. We've got them planned. So thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Al. Good talking to you. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. And, and um, thanks again for everybody uh, out there being here and uh, tuning in to Truth About Trucking Live and you can check back at blogtalkradio.com slash truthabouttrucking to keep up on our show schedule, and we'll be posting them up soon. We've got more coming for you. So thanks for joining us, and uh, until next time, uh, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and like always, thanks for listening.
crazy and confused in the head. I barely heard the words that the officer said. Ten thousand dollars fine and your CDL is gone. You better call your mama, tell her to come take you home. Three million miles and never a glitch. And the four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist. I said, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Got about 90 seconds here left. Thanks again to uh, our special guest, uh, Daniel Audette of the truckstar.com and Truckstar Radio, and my co-host, Barry Stutzky. And be sure to check out uh, Barry's site at relyonyourself.com. It's a pretty cool site. I think you'll enjoy it. And, and uh, again, you can check back at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash truthabouttrucking and uh, see our show <laughs> schedule there. We'll be putting some more up there. And uh, go to truthabouttrucking.com and sign up for our free newsletter, No Obligation. And uh, that's another good way to uh, keep informed of when we have our shows. And uh, we'd appreciate you joining us. And uh, check out our blog, askthetrucker.com. It has has recently rated as the number one trucking blog on the Internet. So check that out and become a part of that and ask questions, post comments. uh, We're always glad to uh, have you do that. So Appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Have a great day. We're down to about 20 seconds here. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll keep an eye on this NAFTA and keep you up to date on what's going on there. And, uh, again, thanks for joining us, uh, everybody. Uh, have a great day, and we'll catch you next time right here on Truth About Trucking Live, Long Talk Radio's premier trucking talk radio show. Have a great day now. We appreciate it.